And now it is time for We Are Just Christians live from Savona Church in Port St. Lucie. Here are your hosts this morning, Mike Schmidt and Stuart Menser. Good morning, Good gentlemen. Good morning and welcome to We Are Just Christians. We're so glad you tuned in today's to show today. And we're glad to hope you can stay with us for the next hour. We'll be on until 10 o'clock and we're here to take your calls, comments and questions since this is a live call in show. We'll have a few things to talk about, but uh, when you add in your comments, uh, either by phone or text, it makes the show a lot better. So we would encourage you to do that. I'm sorry if I sound a little bit hoarse today. I got a little bit of laryngitis, but uh, and Gary Jones is sick, so he's home. And and uh, one of our other members, Stuart Mincer, is here with me. How you doing, Stuart? Good morning. Good. Well, he's Stuart's helped out before with this, and so he'll be uh, joining in the conversation as we go along, but. We'd like to encourage you to call in and give us a uh, give us a shout. You can reach us by telephone at 772-340-1590. 772-340-1590 is the number, and you can call us, and we'll, we lay out these general guidelines for you. You call in, make your comment, or ask your question about whatever's on your mind. It can be something cultural, something from the Bible, something from your personal experience. We don't care whichever one it is. We're going to try to relate that to the scriptures in some way. Talk, have a conversation with you about that if we can. And um, whether we agree or disagree, doesn't matter. We're not going to take advantage of you, and we'll treat each other with respect. We'll give you the last word in the conversation so you don't feel like we're taking advantage of you. That's the way we do things here. So we invite you to give us a call. Don't be afraid to do that. And particularly, I would emphasize, if you're not a believer, if you're not even you know, a churchgoer, we'd love to hear from you about what you think about things or about your experiences, maybe good or bad, with churches or Christians or religion or God or whatever it may be. We'd love to hear from you, and we'll have a conversation about that. Now, there's another way to get a uh, hold of the show, get uh, to us, and that's by... Uh, I've lost my train of thought. Uh, the other way to reach is just by text message. And uh, you can text the show this morning at 772-260-6120. 772-260-6120 is the text number. And you can text us. Text, that's my text number. You can text me, Mike Schmidt, at today during the show. I'll try to respond if we possibly can. Or uh, you can text me during the week with a question or something else. I'd be glad to do that. People do that frequently. So 772-260-6120 is how you get a hold of us here at the show. Well, you know, Stuart, uh, uh, we have – it's been a big controversy. Maybe some people are aware of it. I think I kind of spoke on this subject generally over the last uh, – during the last month a couple of times, and that's about, you know, women – preachers and pastors and so forth, because it's a controversy in now in conservative, well, I'll put it in quotes, more conservative churches like Baptist churches. Sure, yeah. Uh, it's even come to there, and it's because they've simply, many of them have drifted that way. It's, there's this big controversy with that church out there, Saddleback Church in California that Rick Warren started and a bunch of others. Now they have women pastors and people preaching women preaching sermons on Sunday at these various churches has caused a, a controversy. So there's been several articles in the religious uh, blogs and news lately. But I want to talk I think part of the confusion, at least it adds to the confusion to me with this whole issue, is the denominational misunderstanding about elders, bishops, pastors, that whole thing. Because in most denominations, they make a distinction between pastors and bishops and elders. And the Bible doesn't make any distinction between those things. No. And so therefore, mm. they, they've got that's where that's where some of the confusion occurs, because these churches will say, well, she can be a woman can be a pastor, a teaching pastor, but not a 
head pastor or what's, lead pastor. Yeah, what's where the difference? Does the Bible make a, where does the Bible make a distinction yeah. between different uh, kinds of pastors? Yeah. It doesn't. Okay. And well, the, the word there's only one pastor yeah. in the church. Yeah. So I want to go back this morning. Uh, we got so, we got a phone call, so in just right. a minute we'll take the phone call. But yeah. when we come back to this and talk a little bit about this idea of what the Bible says about pastors, bishops, and elders. You got a quick comment about that? Then we'll probably have to go to the phone. Well, all of these organizations claim to be the the first century church, and the the thing that I usually challenge people with, well, if that be true, tell me what the first century church taught and believed and what they practiced and tell me what your organization. Well, usually it doesn't come out very well for them that way because there's not much of a connection between what's being taught today and what was established by the church that Christ built. That's usually because they don't really know what the first century church well, sure. believed. Uh, that's probably the main problem with that. And so, therefore, they have a hard time. What they can tell you is, well, our church teaches this or that, but not really what um, – not not really what – Well, it's one thing to make church. that claim. That's why yeah. we try to give you some scriptures and take you back to sure. the text. I don't know. If I can get across one thing on this show over the last – how many years have been on, Stuart? Maybe it crystallizes this way. If I can get people who listen to this show – I don't care – what church you go to i do care but i'm saying it doesn't i don't i'm not worried about that at the moment i wish all of you went just to a new testament church sure. and were new testament christians but i know that many of you are not that listen to this show if i can just get you to ask the question when you hear something about religion sure what does the bible say that's exactly if the first right. question that comes sure. to your mind well what does the bible say sure. about this subject or that subject then we would have made some progress that's a big step for a lot of people sure. because it never really occurs to them well, we got a couple of callers on the line, so I think I have, we have we really need to get to those. Jerry, are you there? Uh, good morning, Mike. Good morning, Stuart. Uh, very briefly, I was wondering. Uh, they say the horn of Gabriel. I know Gabriel. I know you're not for all angels, uh, uh, but can we assume that we're talking about a, a ram's horn? Uh, and also, if you have the time, you know, very briefly. When they say manna from heaven, are they talking about bread? Or I've heard that term all my life, manna from heaven. I really didn't understand what it meant. But my question is about the horn of Gabriel and what a, a ram's horn. And can we assume that meant a ram's horn? And do they refer to it very much in the Bible? And I'd like to listen off air if that would be okay. That'd be, that'd be fine, Jerry. I appreciate you calling in today. Thank you very much. Well, when we look at the, the Bible says, I think the, the place to start is to say, uh, and it may be, without even looking this up, Jerry, that the idea of the horn of Gabriel, uh, what that is, I, let's just look up Gabriel, okay? Because Gabriel seems to be the... Uh, He's the archangel. Not the, not the. He's not the archangel. Michael's the archangel. But he is one of the couple of only a couple of angels that are named. And there's five or six references to Gabriel in the Bible. And I'm not sure where it says in the scriptures. I'm really searching my brain for this, and I'm looking, trying to look this up right now. As to whether it says Gabriel has a horn, um, I know that the Bible says that the trumpet will sound at the second coming of Christ. I think some versions, the King James, would call it the trump of God. Trump and trumpet are the same thing in the Bible; they're just English versions of the same word. And um, I'm not sure. We know that that's going to sound. I don't know if Gabriel's the one who's going to say that. I think it may be one of these things like we hear from tradition, like Judas had red hair. Yeah. Uh, well, the Bible doesn't say Judas <laughs> had didn't. red hair, yeah. but people believe he was that Judas had red hair yeah. and yeah. so forth. So when you look in the book of Daniel, you'll find a, the, the reference to Gabriel uh, in Daniel chapter 8 where he interprets a vision. And um, so Gabriel comes and interprets this vision that Daniel has here. You also find a reference, and there's a couple of references there 
over in chapter nine, uh, Gabriel comes and so forth to Daniel. And then you have in Luke, maybe the most important or famous presence of Gabriel is in Luke when he comes to uh, speak to Zacharias, who was the father of John the Baptist when, when bef- before Jesus or John were born. In Luke 1, about verse 19, and the angel answered and said to him, I am Gabriel who stands in the presence of God who was sent to speak to you and bring you these glad tidings. And he tells him he's going to be made mute until the time of the baby's born, tells him what this child's going to do, and that child is John the Baptist. And so um, then you see Gabriel is sent again in Luke 1, verse 26. Gabriel sent a few months later to Mary. Uh, uh, and she, he speaks to Mary, uh, who was betrothed to this man named Joseph. So you see this in the book of Matthew, in chapter 1, two different times he's mentioned. He has a long conversation with Mary there. So I'm unaware. I am unaware. I, I could be wrong. Maybe one of our other listeners can help me out here by calling in or texting in. But I'm unaware of where the Bible says that Gabriel has a trumpet. Now, let me just address this other question, though. Is a trumpet the same thing as a ram's horn? Could be, depending on the who uses the word in, in, Jewish, in Jewish culture thinking, especially in old times. Uh, they had trumpets made. Uh, they were called them shofars. Sure. I have one I bought in Israel yeah. Yeah. Uh, when I was there. They have shofars that are made out of a ram's horn that they used to signal and battle and other things. And then they also had, apparently, trumpets more like what we would call a trumpet or a bugle that was used, a long instrument made out of some kind of metal or brass or something. So I think both kinds were used, uh, but it wouldn't be much of a distinction. They both were called trumpets at some time. Now, I haven't done a long study on that. Once again, if some of the other listeners want to, add to that, I'd be happy for you to inform me, but I'm going to have to, uh, Jerry, take a chance, and maybe I'll, I wrote a note, I wrote this down here, I'll try to look this up during the week, and maybe I can learn learn something and, and help you out at the same time by looking this up and seeing how far off I am, I don't think I'm very far off on this, and I don't well, really know of a reference yeah. to Gabriel's trumpet in the Bible, do you yeah. know of one, can you think of any of them, Stuart? Well, what I was going to say was that the mistake that we make, the Bible student will study the language and the word and the meaning. Is it literal or is it physical? And I can't tell you that this morning of what the question he's asking, but that's where I would start if he's searching for an answer to find out exactly what that is. He has to get to the point where he can understand what the Hebrew language is trying to communicate when it's saying that. The context of whatever it's used in has as much to do as the meaning of the word. Well, it does. And so there's this, the word for a trumpet, for example, in in the book of Exodus, is this word shofar. Okay. okay. I would say that's a little. So that's probably yeah. a ram's, basically a, a ram's curved horn. And yet... In the English definition, it has here a cornet or a trumpet. That's that's where okay. I'm going. Sure. So it's using so it's translated in the in the King James. This word shofar is translated trumpet 68 times to cornet four times, and yet it's probably a ram's horn. Probably. So it's not what we're thinking sure. of. My, dating myself, Louis Armstrong playing the <laughs> trumpet. You know, it's not isn't that kind of trumpet. Although I think they did have. Sure long metal trumpets but probably most of these references are to uh there to this thing now let me just take a look at this word in the new testament and see if there how many references are that most of the references are in the bible are in the uh, well the sounding the sounding of the sofar and the trumpet had several uh implications uh, it was used in the temple for prayer the call for prayer yeah Mm-hmm. And Gabriel used it to uh, in his attack when the uh, when they broke the the uh, pictures that they had that mm-hmm. had lamps in them. 
they only had, I think, 300, 300 men, but they defeated and gained victory by being obedient. And right. I'm sure when uh, he was instructed to only not to take that many men, I'm sure he had questions in his mind, <clears throat> excuse me, whether that was going to be sufficient or not. But the point of that whole uh, issue is, is that by being uh, having faith and believing in the God of Isaac and uh, Abraham, Isaac and uh, Israel's main God uh, or belief, the idea there is the word of obedience or the understanding that when God tells us something or directs us something, it's, supposed to do that. that's what we're supposed to do. And we'll look what happened. They had victory. And I think that's part of what we overlook in that story of the victory that that's brought because of obedience. You know, the um, I'm looking up these words. I'm looking up these words here. And, and when you come to the New Testament word for trumpet, yeah, uh, it's more of a just a generic word. Uh, it just means something that vibrates sure. or quavers. That's sure. what it means. So sure. uh, they it doesn't say if it's a shofar, although that's the words used in the we Old Testament. Yeah. In the New Testament, it could be any kind of musical instrument that you blow into that vibrates. Um, so I really don't know if it's... Um, uh, I really don't know if that's the uh, 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 trumpet like we think a trumpet or not. It's used... It, the trumpet was used in... Uh, like you say... It was used in various ways in in ancient societies in Hebrew. It was used to signal the start of a battle or that the enemy was coming or that um, it was used to signify various feasts that were going on. So and you can read about this in the Old Testament. At certain times, they would sound a trumpet, yeah. the sacrifice were being sure. made, this kind of thing. Sure. And I know from reading... Uh, Edersheim and Josephus, this was done at the temple time, and it was used as a warning. Paul even says, for example, in 1 Corinthians 14, in speaking about the uh, gift of tongues, if the trumpet gives an uncertain sound, you know, who's going to respond? Sure. So the trumpet was supposed to give a recognize, recognizable sound that people knew. I, I live over Stewart in Jensen Beach, and uh, not far from me is one of those big towers connected to the nuclear power plant sure and every friday at noon <laughs> that thing goes off and announces this is just a test sure and then blasts that horn sure. several times this is just a test you know and all that they have to test that system well i hear that thing and i recognize that sound it doesn't fill me with alarm like it should because i hear it every sure. every week but that's a different sound than if a trumpet was blowing you know playing a musical so you learn to recognize the sound of the trumpet he says at the end of time first Thessalonians says that the last trumpet will sound there's going to be apparently some audible commencement of the last of sure. the last judgment of the second coming not all we'll hear God, that. god's going yeah. to sound that trumpet what exactly that is i don't know but uh, it's something well, that you're going to recognize. I don't think the non-believer will hear that. It's go huh? I don't think the non-believer will well, hear that. Well, I don't that. know but about that, no. but I know this. It's going to be something that's um, going to signal what it is. People are going to recognize this is something sure. pretty serious, pretty important. We hear that siren going off. We, we use sirens the same way they use trumpets a lot sure. of the time, buzzers. Yeah. Anyway, interesting question. I think we have uh, another call uh, on the line. Uh, let's get Ken on there. Ken, are you there? Yeah, Mike, I'm here. Go ahead. What's on your mind? Well, uh, actually, I got a question about cows, but let me comment on the trumpet before I go over there. Uh, it's uh, the Feast of Trumpet in Hebrew, Yom Teruk. Uh, is the day of trumpet. Uh, Yah means day, and Teruah means trumpet. Uh, that's more commonly referred to as Rosh Hashanah, mistakenly called Rosh Hashanah. Mm -hmm. 
so that's a feature reward, and that announces coming of the king, uh, coming of the bridegroom. And you'll see that in the New Testament. And it talks about the uh, 12 virgins. Uh, and uh, announcing war, announcing uh, assembly, you know, uh, big, important announcements. And uh, the last trump is, is on the feast days, there's like a feast that are like eight days long. And the last trump is on the last day. Okay. Sure. And there are different trumpet sounds to, to announce different things. So but you're saying that the blast means one thing, and a one loud, long blast is the sure. last. That's what I was about ready to say. Different circumstances. So you're saying then that the last trump that's referred to in the New Testament or trumpet is an allusion to this last trumpet that would sound at Rosh Hashanah, which is the Feast of Trumpets, or yeah, it's Feast of Trumpets. Now I just realized I just looked it up again. There are. There are silver trumpets, it says. I think I said brass, yeah. but the silver trumpets are in numbers 10. They were to make two of them uh, for them to, to hammer them out and call the congregation and to direct the movement of the camps when they were camped out and during the exodus and so forth. They used these trumpets to signal for the people to gather or to move or to do. And, of course, you have to have different signals for those things to mean anything to anybody. And they had these silver trumpets that did that. So, but I, I, do you, are you familiar, Ken, with a verse that links a Gabriel blowing this trumpet, or is that just something that's kind of developed over the centuries as a idea in people's minds? Well, um, uh, I'd have to, I'd have to look that out and check. I got a nagging feeling I'm wrong about that, I, but I can't, I just can't bring my mind. Wouldn't to be the first it. time, huh? huh? Wouldn't be the first time, huh? Yeah. Well, uh, it wouldn't be the first time I thought well, I was I wrong, Well, I think this Stuart. is a mistake that we made with any of these issues, is that for some reason, man wants to concentrate on the man or the person or the involved, but the, the story behind the story is the fact that there, there are issues that are brought forth for our learning and admonition. Now, is the is the is the sounding of the trumpet important, or is Gabriel important, or is it the issue that's brought forward important? It, well, it would it surprise me or you that Gabriel was the one who sounded the trumpet? No, but does I don't think the Bible says that. No, because well, Gabriel is obviously an extremely significant being. Yeah. As an angel, sure, because he's named. Yep. The myriads or millions of other angels are not named. Michael well, Gideon, and Gabriel. But when Gideon got the same information uh, directly, that he did what he was supposed to do. So the emphasis of that, I think, is to yeah. is to understand right. uh, uh, obedience. Obedience right. is the key that draws all believers between the old and the new together. Fact. Yes, they have to have faith, and that faith leads them to obey. Abraham, That's Noah, correct. all of them. Yes. Ken, what did you call about? Ken? Yeah, there might be a verse in Revelation about Gabriel blowing the trumpet. Well, I, I couldn't find it. It could be. Yes, I'll have to look. I'm yeah. going to do some more looking, but I, I couldn't find it here this morning. And I got four or five things going on in front of me, and yeah. I'm not doing any of them very well, so I didn't couldn't find it. Uh, what What else is on your mind? Okay, uh, I know you're an expert on chickens. Oh. <laughs> what about cows? I got a question about cows. Cows? Yeah. Cattle? Yeah. Okay. So let me let me tell you what what, I, what this is about here. Uh, I'm reading a story about um, the word Ichabod. The Spirit of the Lord departing. And uh, well, uh, you've lost me already. Uh, maybe I'm hearing poorly. Okay. Uh, Samuel story about who? First Samuel four or First Samuel six. First Samuel six is better. Okay. 
Um, okay, so the verse I'm, I'm, I'm asking you could have the question about is First Samuel 6, uh, 7, and then also um, further down uh, 11 and 12. Okay. Uh, All right. You want me to give you that to this? So he said, make a, therefore, he said, make a new heart, make a new cart. Let, let me start back up at uh, verse 6 of 1 Samuel 6. Why then do you harden your hearts as the Egyptians and Pharaoh hardened their hearts? When he did mighty things among them, did they not let the people go that they might depart? Now, therefore, make a new cart and take two milk cows which have never been yoked, and hitch the cows to the cart, and take their calves home away from them. Then take the cart of the Lord, and set it on the cart, and put the articles of gold which you are returning to him as a trespass offering in a chest by its side. Then send it away, and let it go. And watch, if it goes up the road to its own territory, to Beth Shemesh, then he has done us this great evil. But if not, then we shall know that it is not of his hand that, that struck us. It happened to us by chance. Then the men did, men did so, and they took two milk cows and hitched them to the cart and shut up their calves at home. And they set the ark of the Lord on the cart and the chest with gold rats and images of their tumors. Then the cows headed straight for the road to Beth Shemesh and went along the highway, lowing as they went. And did not turn aside to the right hand or the left. And the lords of the Philistines went after them to the border of Beth Shemesh. This is the case where the Philistines have taken the Ark of the Covenant. God struck them with, well, King James, I think, says hemorrhoids, tumors and boils and all kinds of other stuff. And they figured out that this is because we stole the, the Ark of the God of the Israelites. And so... What they were doing here, here's the, here's the test. These cows would not normally leave their calves. If they have a, if they have a calf, they're not going to leave the calf. So they put these new, they put these cows, hooked, hitched them to the cart with the Ark of the Covenant on it. And they said, see if they go back home to the calves or if they go back to Israel where they came from. And if they go back to Israel, we'll know that God sent this over here and he's going to God's going to bless us for sending it back. If they go back to their calves, we'll know that this just happened by chance. So when they did that, then these calves, instead of doing the natural thing, going back to their, these cows, instead of going back to their calves, they went back where they should have gone, back with the Ark of the Covenant, back to Israel. Is that about the right story, Ken? Yeah, yeah, that's, that's pretty much it. All right, what's your question uh, about that? But uh, the one important thing about this story that we haven't mentioned is they Israelites went to battle the Philistines. They lost. Then they went and took the ark and put took it with them in the battle, and they lost again. And they and, and they the took- reason they lost again was because they were worshiping Balaam and Ashtaroth, which I'll mention what that means in a minute. Uh, so uh, they lost again. Eli, his two sons were killed in the battle. Uh, and then uh, and then when he found out that they lost the Ark of the Covenant, he died. His daughter-in-law gave birth to a son and she named him Ichabod, which means the glory of God is departed, and then she died. And then we have the story where the Ark of the Covenant gave the Philistines all this problem, and they wanted to get rid of it. Okay, so that's that's the background. So um, the word lowing, the cows were lowing. I heard a preacher call that crying. In other words, they were not really, they weren't doing what they wanted to do when they went back. And it reminded me of the 
song Away in a Manger, where it says, uh, um, the cattle were lowing and the poor baby woke. Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I know by no crying she made. So we have a contrast with the cattle crying and Jesus not crying. Yeah. In the manger. That's not an inspired story there, the one that way in a manger, but we don't know what Jesus well, I wasn't, did. I, I don't, no, I don't, I don't recall any scripture in the New Testament that says that in that song. I don't no, know. No, there's, as far as I know, there is nothing to tell you what Jesus did or didn't do in the manger and what Mary did, except lap him in, whapping and swaddling clothes and put him in the manger. Yeah. There's no, all the other stuff about the cattle being there and it's all a, that stuff all, is made up. Yeah. Now it yeah. could be true possibly. And some, some of it could be sure. A lot of it can't be true, yeah. but, but it's all made up. What about the wise men coming to visit the baby? Yeah, they in probably the house. didn't come to the manger. They came two years later. Well, yeah, they were, later to a little, house. Took a little while for them to get there. Sure. Right. Sure. But this word, the word lowing is bellowing. Uh, it's a primitive root. It means to bellow or to low. Uh, low and bellow are related words, of course. Yeah. Uh, now, yeah. is it were the cattle bellowing because they were leaving their cat their calves against their will? Uh, I've heard animals do this when you take away their young. I I think I've heard cattle do this. So um, I don't know. What, what's your question about it, Ken? What's your point you want to make about it? Okay. Um, okay. Well, let, me, let me talk about Ashtaroth and Balaam for a second. And then uh, uh, I'll get to my point. Uh, Ash, Balaam is the god associated with child sacrifice. Ashtaroth is a female god. Right. Who had, who had uh, temples. Where priests, male priests, dressed as women, and that particular god, uh, Ashtaroth, used to um, take Christian symbols and use them. The most notable is the rainbow. You mean biblical uh, symbols? Those are two heathen gods that uh, um, Israel was getting involved with. Okay, so the glory of God departs. Okay, so now we come, we've got this cat coming back with the Ark of the Covenant, and it says they lifted up their eyes and saw the Ark and rejoiced to see it. And I'm thinking, is this kind of a poor future vision of the second coming? They see the ark coming back. Yeah. Yeah. In the glory of God. I don't know. Maybe so. I, I, you know, the truth is, Ken, the, the, the true faith that was in Israel at that time, this part of history was, was so low. And I don't, I'm not saying this because I'm such a great thing, but. The, the, the faith and the obedience that was present in Israel was at a very low point during this time, I think. And uh, I don't know what they were thinking sometimes, but it seems like the Philistines almost had more faith that Jehovah was a real God. Well, and he he made believers out of them, didn't he? <laughs> that, 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 and they certainly believed that once those cows left with that ark. And they got rid of their, yeah, they got yeah, rid of their hemorrhoids. Yeah. At least they tested it out, didn't they? They did. It's interesting, and um, that they certainly were wanting to see if, what God would do, but Israel had become, uh, you know, I, I'm not even going to finish the sentence. When, when I teach the Old Testament and when I read it myself, I have people ask me questions like, well, what did the Jews do about this, or what did the Jews do? You know what the Jews did? They did pretty much whatever they wanted to do, yeah. just like yeah. everybody else has yeah, always yeah. done. There, there aren't very many there aren't very many periods of time in the Old Testament when you could say, as a general rule, the Jews were keeping the law or Israel was keeping the law. There just weren't hardly any times 
they went centuries without keeping Passovers and other feasts. Uh, they they, the they didn't even care. They didn't yeah. even care where the ark was at the this Jubilee time. The jubilee is a prime example. They, they didn't of that. care where it sure. was. Yeah. They didn't even know most of it. Yeah. Didn't even know about it. So we can't have this picture in our minds that Israel was a very religious people back then, following Jehovah and all that, and they did this and they did that. No, the, we could. We know what the law said what they were supposed to be doing. Now, if you want to ask me what were they supposed to be doing, yeah, there you go. I can read the text sure. and tell you that. Sure. If you want to know what they did. Sure. That's a whole different story. And um, this story, Ken, is a good example of that, really, where God was trying to increase their faith and bless them. And they they were using his ark as a good luck charm. Weren't they? Yeah. When they, when they took it into battle, they thought it was just a good luck charm rather than being the holy, the holy presence of God there in the ark and. Um, it, it's pretty disturbing. And, and I wonder... Let me throw out the next question. All right, go ahead. Has the glory, has the glory of the Lord departed from the United States? Boy. Well, I, I, don't, I don't know that the United States... Now, this is going to shock people. Can't may shock you, Ken. I, I don't know that the United States is a special set-apart nation by God, but in the sense that Israel was in any way. Is it a nation that God has blessed because we've allowed, we built our legal system, our constitution on biblical principles that respected his word and way of doing things? Yes, God's blessed us. And he blessed us, I think, even maybe more so because we've allowed his word to be preached freely in this country and around sure. the world, sure. even though people have gone off the off the track with it, yeah. the truth can still be preached, at least till recently. So I think he's blessed us. Now, yeah. when a nation, any nation does not glorify Jehovah, then they face coming under his judgment. And it seems to me like the nations that, a nation that supports, been standing up for Jehovah, the true sure, God of heaven, absolutely. And, re- and turns his back on him, yeah. faces more judgment than a place that's never, never held up Jehovah at all. Ken, let me, Ken, Ken can you hear me all right? Yeah, I can hear you. Uh, this lesson, uh, from what you're trying to bring forward to get us to understand this morning, when Israel did what they were supposed to do, that's when they were blessed. And and many uh, Christian organizations today have the same question that you asked this morning. So the answer really is, as long as we're obedient and uh, do what we're supposed to do and conduct ourselves in a way that brings glory to God and his son, this nation will continue to be blessed in that regard. Now, we're just like any other nation. When we wander and we stray, we're going to pay the consequences. There are blessings and cursings in the Bible. When Israel obeyed, they were blessed. So I would use that as my answer to your question. <laughs> you just really, I just thought of something else crazy. Ken, I never, uh, maybe I shouldn't say this, but um, uh, I read the other day in another co- completely un- non-religious context that North America, particularly the United States area of North America, is the most vulnerable to violent weather and geographical events of any place on earth because of where it is and the way the land mass are situated and the water on both sides. We have so many more, uh, so much more lightning and terrible tornadoes and all kind of stuff like that. And it makes me want, and our whole country sitting on, all in the West especially, this great big volcanic rift underneath yeah, the surface sure. and all kind of sure. other stuff. There's a place in the east, even in, through Illinois, that's prone to earthquakes in the past. Now, my point would be, thinking about this, you know, God can either make all those things calm down and not bother, not affect us, or he can allow them to really, really put a number on us. Yeah. Is that what's been yeah. going on lately, that he's letting these well, things put, global put a number is not on our, us? Global warming is not our issue. We're from the Midwest. 
And I had a preacher ask me one time, well, they're having flooding up there. I said, it happens every spring. Well, yeah, you know, but, it's just I, but I'm just cycle. saying it's what it is. But but God can God can suppress those natural events or he can bring them to the surface, just like they were earth. Uh, the Middle East is prone to earthquakes. Sure. And so God but God is there's natural forces at work. Who is this but who's, the in, wind? Con- yeah. who's in control of those natural sure. forces? Sure. God is. Sure. Now, will will these natural disasters and other events will they lead a people to repentance now notice these philistines here they started having this unusual disease afflicting the people and strangely enough they looked to god for a solution or to an for an answer to that and strange enough that they found it even in their unbelief they found it uh we we looked other places I don't know. I'm just throwing that out there that God, I think God can use and does use natural disasters, diseases, all these things, warfare. He uses all these events to bring people back to a rip, to repentance or to a state where they will honor him and serve him. Does it work? Well, sometimes it works and then sometimes it brings a curse because people go the other direction. We're in the mode right now, much of the United States is in the mode where when when these bad things happen, we go the other direction away from God, become more entrenched. We harden our hearts like Pharaoh did. And then there's a section of the population that pulls toward God. Uh, And God is looking at that. I don't know what he's going to do about it. The Bible doesn't predict what God will do to the United States because the United States is not in Bible prophecy. But he's using the same principles. Stuart's looking sh- shocked. I'm shocked that, that, you would shocked say that I like said that. But maybe. what do you think about that, Ken? And we got to move on. I think we have another caller. But go ahead and finish up what you're saying. Yeah, okay, uh, Ken, I would answer your uh, question this way. Uh, I'm kind of thinking, you know, uh, I, I agree pretty much with Stuart. You know, you know, you you, you have a choice. You have blessing and cursing. Mm-hmm. If you choose blessing, God blesses you. If you choose cursing, you get cursed. Sure. He sets the choice before you, life he, or death. You know, even even the apostles made the statement, who is this that calms the wind? Who is this that has that direction and power? Even they didn't understand that. And I think sometimes today we don't understand that. But uh the trouble is we don't know when an event happens sure. whether God God was uh, using that or not. It is it, God can use it whether he, he he set in motion these natural forces. Sure, people make this false dichotomy. It's either yeah. God or nature. That's true. What they forget is the Bible teaches that God is in he, control all of nature. He's, he's got control of all. And even sure. when it's act, even when it's all acting according to how it should, yeah. it's still His doing. He sometimes intervenes more directly in those natural events i think all right any more last comments ken or we're going to have to move on here let's take the next call okay i appreciate very much these thoughts interesting story you brought up and i hope people go back and look at that in first samuel 6 and before that read the whole story it's uh very uh, enlightening and odd to us today but i think it teaches a lot about it well i think we have another caller i i believe that um uh laura laura's well i think she i just got a note from the station that she is going to call back so we'll wait for laura to call back we appreciate that i hope she can but uh you know i i don't know why i think that though in, in some ways i think it and some other times i think well i don't know what i can prove in the bible but no i don't believe that the united states is directly prophesied about in the scripture I don't believe that the United States is a chosen nation, but the Bible does say any nation of people that fears him and serves him, God will bless. Absolutely. And that includes the United States, includes France, includes Namibia, Rwanda or whatever other nation there is. Let me bring into consideration the fall of Europe. All of those nations at one time were Christian nations. Uh, They they did what they were supposed to do. They followed. they, They believed themselves to be. Uh, children of God, every one in France, especially every one of those nations has turned their back on our God. Yeah. So 
the problems that they have today, politically, economically, uh, doesn't surprise me. And I'm afraid that our nation is headed down that same path. Of course, path. We we're just about 20 some years behind. Yeah, we're just we're just not there yet. Because man believes that he can fix these things. It's, it's his responsibility. Well, I'm sorry. Well, ironically, Stuart, the United States is more progressive than, than Europe on this transgender issue. Oh, I, they oh, backed I, away from it. I know. We're still headed down the road, yeah. pedal to yeah. the metal with it. So uh, that's, uh, <laughs> that's, a, that's, gonna, that's a big issue because it goes. See, the reason, the tra- reason why. A lot of people are concerned about this issue of transgenderism. It's not because they hate transgender people. It's because what it represents is this autonomy of man that, that yeah. thinks that they can they don't even have to respect God's creation order of male and female. They believe that men are completely independent, humans are, yeah. of any kind of uh, uh, divine or even natural law. They don't even they don't even accept natural law, no anymore, idea much natural less issue. divine law and that man can do whatever. We, they bought the Disney line that you can be whatever you want to be and do whatever you want to do. Animals talk. And, and, and it, that's what's it, it. It's a destructive path. And you don't have to be a Christian philosopher or a uh, fundamentalist Bible beater to understand that this is a big uh, line that's been crossed. And um, it, it, of course, Stuart, I could got to maybe I'm going to preach on this sometime soon. You can draw a straight line. That's absolutely true. Now you can go back. You can draw a straight line from the legalization of the birth control pill in the early 1960s to the transgender movement. Sure. Now, am I against birth control? No, that's not what I'm saying. But you can draw a straight line from the idea that that. Uh, sexuality is about procreation as well as pleasure yeah. you could draw us and when when we became untethered when we became untethered from the idea that sexuality was in marriage for procreation as well as as well as pleasure in marriage we became untethered from a lot of stuff sure okay and here we are now our sexuality isn't even tied to anything it's completely yeah. free-floating and you can draw a straight line between these events and the all the uh, homosexual stuff is just on that, as they say now, the spectrum. That's the new word spectrum. It's on that spectrum of a walk away from the natural order of things sure. and God. And, and what's it lead to? Are people happier than they were in 1960? No, absolutely. You and I were alive in 1960. Well, are people happier? Well, you more well balanced? <laughs> oh yeah, I, yeah, I was alive then. Yeah, you were already a teenager. Yeah, but, <laughs> about right, about right. Uh, anyway, uh, I wasn't quite a teenager, but but I'm just saying that it's uh, are people more well balanced and happy? Well, no. Are but, there have there been some improvements since 1960 in many areas? Yes. In racial relations, other yeah. things. Yes. And I'm very grateful for that. Many, but we've many also untethered ourselves from morality. Don't realize that the reason that the Sunday school was started is because people weren't teaching their children at home. They yeah. had to be taught. Come up with this Sunday school idea to start an hour early and get the children educated and taught in the Word of God. That's what caused that. We just, we just as a nation, as a people, just want to let somebody else do it. It's not my job. Let the schools educate my children. Let them go to Sunday school. Now we're having the, what they should be asking not is when they talk about let the school is who is going to we worry about what they're going to teach. We should they say, oh, we should teach more more yeah. American history. Yeah. That's ridiculous. Yeah. It's who's going to who? teach the American history that's important. That's true. Who is it? That's because true. the I had American history teachers in the liberal high school I went to that taught the same thing they're teaching now about American history. It's oh, all wow. a bunch of, you know. Wow. Uh, uh, the American Revolution was garbage. Yeah. It, who's teaching it? Yeah. And the same thing is true about the Bible. Who's teaching the Bible to people? Uh, it's not just whether she's teaching the Bible, whether you're teaching the Bible. But I'm not dis- I'm not disagreeing with you. Well, Stuart. today I'm, you're right. You're... People have turned it over to other people. Sure. And, and what it is, it that is all goes back to the breakdown of a nuclear family. We can. I know this has been said a million times, and it's so passe to people. But this breakdown of the nuclear family dis- disrupts everything in a society. Sure. It doesn't make people more selfish to be 
tied to a mother and a father and children in a family unit. In fact, it makes the men and women in that nuclear family more will more willing and and more able to help their neighbors protect the society. You you want men that'll rise up and protect society and and get rid of evil. You you need nuclear families and those fathers not only then because they've encouraged they've been encouraged to take responsibility for their children and their wife, they will be willing to take care of other people's family. But we've broken all that down and now everybody is what what the word that they're using now, Stuart, is atomized. Like you have these misters, you know, you put oh, perfume yeah, okay. in a little bottle, right. you spray it. It's called yeah. an atomizer. Sure. Well, that's what's happened to us. As a society, there are no cohesive units like families and even sure. even the number of institutions that men or women can belong to in society is broken down. Churches are broken down, and we've all become atomized. We're just free-floating individuals out there. We can do whatever we want to, and then everybody's supposed to go along with that. It's and God will accept a, a, that. Huh? God, God loves everybody. God will accept that. You know. Yeah. Well, God does love everybody, but will he accept it? That's a whole no. different issue. A whole different a issue. A whole different issue. Sure. But we've become atomized, and it's a completely childlike it's not an adult solution that you get to do whatever you want and i have to approve of it that that, that's what a first grader would come up with right sure that's what a second grade but we've got professors and government agencies pushing that idea off onto the rest of us that because you want to do it and you identify that way or because you believe it i have to accept it and approve of it I'm not sure how a mature person can come up with that idea. It's just completely unworkable and unrealistic. Yes, I'm willing to I'm willing personally to grant in a free society. I'm willing to give people the the right. I use that word in parenthesis to do many things that I don't agree with. I'm willing to grant them the right to say many things I don't agree with. I don't grant them the right for me to say to say it's Ex- correct when except, they do it exactly it's not right. right when they do it even yeah. though i give you the right to say yeah. it and i give you the right to act that way sure but that doesn't mean that you're right when you do it and i don't have to accept it now that's a much more mature position and realistic position so it isn't a matter because i say i agree with this or i agree with that that i'm trying to stop you uh from doing it i'm sim- i'm saying people are wrong and of course, we've lost the ability to say that people are wrong about things anymore. Well, Can't yeah. say somebody's wrong about yeah. something sure. and so forth. Well, Stuart, uh, I, Laura hasn't called back yet. I don't, have any, I don't think we have any other calls. If you want to call in, you can call the show. We've got about eight minutes left. got plenty of time for a conversation. You can reach We Are Just Christians at 772-340-1590, 772-340-1590. Or you can text us at 772-340-1590. Two six zero six one two zero seven seven two two six zero six one two zero. Almost couldn't remember my own my own phone number, Stuart. It's pretty I pathetic, was, I isn't it? Why you, had to, you wonder why I was hesitating. Well, I had the thing printed up. It's my own. Yeah, I, I, well, I got. Yeah, he's looking at my little <laughs> cheat sheet I got sticking up here in front of yeah. my face. Yeah. You know. Okay, so I made a little cheat sheet that has all the numbers on there, so I don't mess up and. Guess what? I need another sheet on my computer to tell me, look at your cheat sheet, because <laughs> I never think to look yeah, over there and yeah. see it. That, that's the problem we got going. You got any other comments you want to make about Steve? Uh, uh, I think that today's church, and I'll use quotations on that. You meant generally what people call Christian, yeah, not assembly, one that you think yeah, is New sure. Testament church. Assemblies. Right. Uh, we've gotten away from the idea of God. Uh, being interactive with man in the Old Testament. You got zapped. Uh, you know, he took care of those issues. That doesn't happen in today's society in the New Testament because of free will. And I think uh, obviously God has got to the point where he said, look, I've talked to these people. I'm going to give them a free reign. They're going to have free will. They're going to be able to choose, make up their own decision, and I'll take care of it later down the road because uh, Christian leaders are not zapped on the spot or destroyed as he did in the old testament i think there's an acceptance there well it must be okay because you know uh, i didn't get hit with a lightning bolt today or whatever ecclesiastes 8 11 and this probably has many applications says 
because sentence against an evil work is not executed speedily, therefore the heart of the sons of men is set within them to do evil. Now, God is the one who could control that, but he has chosen, uh, actually, even, even in Old Testament times, most of the time, he did not bring about an immediate consequence to people's disobedience. Sure. He did sometimes, and we have records of those, but most of the time he did not bring about an immediate consequence. There was a uh, th- there was a gap in there, and we 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 look around, and uh, we look around, and we uh, say, well, must be okay. Sure. Nothing bad happened. Yeah, we do this all the time. Well, that's you know you're a teenager. Sure. You, you borrow your dad's car, sure. take off down the highway, go about eighty miles an hour, you, you, and you think, well, you know what? Uh, nothing happened. Or yeah, I can do it all the time. <laughs> yeah, I can do. I could go ninety miles an hour yeah. next time, and I can do it all the time. And and as a, pretty as, soon you're yeah. in trouble. As a teenager, I belonged to a, a nationally huge religious organization. They had <clears throat> turned their back when I was about 14 and I left that organization because uh, they had changed their doctrine. Uh-huh. That particular organization is almost now completely extinct. It's almost completely gone. In well, the fact, one, they tore the building down that I attended as a teenager. It's not even there anymore. The ones that are suffering the most seem to be the ones that are the most progressive and believe the least it's a slippery important slope, sure. things. Now, then there's yeah. other end where you have – uh, some that are, I would call, you know, extreme in the sense of, well, there's two ways to not follow the Bible. <laughs> sure there what, is. One is to be open about all of the, what, sure. what God says and ignore what God says. And then there's the other side, which just makes up their own rules, takes what God says and piles on top of it, makes up their own commandments. Sure. And the truth is, those two things end up meeting in the middle. They're, they're the same thing, but they look like opposites. But it never gets Those better, two Mike. Groups once, are, once these organizations start down that path, that liberal path, it's almost impossible for them to get back. This is the re- Yes, it is. This is the reason why we emphasize on we are just Christians. What does the text say? Absolutely. Are you willing to stick sure. with what the text says? Sure. You can hold these other traditions loosely but make sure you make a distinction. And when you are involved in some other religious organization that a lot of people call this show are, and, and you know, I'm not, I'm not uh, trying to pi- pile on about that. I'm glad that they are religious. But I want them to continue to keep asking about the group they're in. Where did you get that idea? Where does that come from? And not just accept it because you've always done it. What does the text say? I continue to remind this group here, Stuart, sure. what, that very thing. Don't we? I, all the teachers do here. What sure. does the text say? We put it up on the screen. We look at it. We read it. That's what's in front of you. And uh, be willing to change your mind about that subject. The pattern was laid down the, for the first century church. We don't have the authority or the right to change that. No, or and that. eventually it comes to a point where you're in, sure. you're in some uh, man-made church out there. You realize there, there's just no going back from this. Like you say, they're so entrenched that they're not going to change. They're going to get back worse. To, I always go back to Cain and Abel. They're going to get worse. Cain, Cain thought he had he thought he had it all figured out, but he didn't follow directions. So that's where we're at. Well, Gary just texted in and wants me to uh, uh, remind everyone, and we I, I feel um, I feel remiss this morning. Uh, because uh, I did not remind everyone the passage that he quotes uh, every week here, which is a good good one, about the fundamental basis of our belief. Jesus says in John twelve forty eight, he who uh, he who rejects me and does not receive my words Absolutely. as that which judges him, the word which I have spoken will judge him in the last sure. day. We're going to have to close the show on that note. Thank you, Stuart, for being with me this morning. We appreciate all those who called in, those who texted. Thank you very much. I want to invite you to our worship services. We meet at 10 o'clock this morning at 11 at 2196 Southwest Savona Boulevard, 2196 Southwest Savona Boulevard here in Port St. Lucie. We'd love to have you. We're not going to ask you for money or embarrass you. Come and see, visit us, 2196 Southwest Savona Boulevard, and 
we'd love you to take a look at our website. We are just Christians.com. We are just Christians.com. So until next week, may God bless you and tune in again then. You've been listening to We Are Just Christians live from Savannah.